around here. Captain! Signatures detected. Shield up. Signatures detected. Context Starfleet Command. What happened? Context Starfleet Command. Delay that order. Context Starfleet Command. This is the captain. Context Starfleet Command. Get out of my chair. Chair, 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 chair. We have engaged the Klingons. 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 Welcome to The Greatest Discovery. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. We're the makers of The Greatest Generation. We made it. We're here. In Star Trek Picard speak, we would just be called makers and not the (laughs) makers. Uh Uh-huh. Right. It's our job to make sure that the podcast... All of its threads go unripped. The tapestry Mm -hmm. of our show remains intact. It's our responsibility to make in our pants. (laughs) As podcast makers, it's very important that we don't interact with our subject in any way, which is why we don't get invited many Star Trek-y places. (laughs) Indeed, Adam. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there is a dance with the pocket, right? Like... I would like to continue to get screeners. That has been a major upgrade in our quality of life because we can predict when recording is going to happen and, you know, nobody has to work a weekend when we have a screener well in advance. I like going to things. I want to be invited to things. I want to eat the, the fun cookies and have the free drinks. I don't want to get any closer than that, though, you know? You want to be cookie close. <laughs> and that's it. Cookie yeah. close. You want to be two cocktails close. Yeah. But not, you know, hey, why did you <laughs> blank close? <laughs> I've never seen anyone just sort of take a header into a Shea Long like that and then <laughs> fall into the pool. Yeah. Hey, uh, who was that guy? Oh, uh, he's from Mission Log. (laughs) We're at war. There's been no formal declaration of war. Yeah, the war is back on uh, between us and Mission Log. Everybody knows it. If that did happen, we would totally throw them under the bus. Right. Yes. I would definitely say I was from Mission Log if I did a massive physical accident. (laughs) If I knocked a tray out of a server's hand. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You throw them under the bus with the punk rocker with the with the giant boombox on it. Blame it on Mission Log. Yeah. A stated policy on the greatest discovery. Blame Mission Log. Blame Mission Log. <laughs> An Oscar winning song. Yeah. The one thing that would like really feel like we were going beyond the pale that I would I would entertain going beyond the pale for is being blown out of an airlock. Yeah. You know, that would be really inside if we were actually like on the set of a in-production Star Trek thing. I think we'd lose a lot of credibility. Wow. If we were to do it. Don't you think so? I mean, like what little credibility we have, Adam, wouldn't you sacrifice that to get blown out of an airlock? I think I would. You know what? (laughs) Because I know what our credibility is. I know how I feel about what we do Yeah. and how honestly and seriously we take it. Right. Maybe... Our reputation with other people shouldn't matter. Maybe it shouldn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I'm willing to get blown out of an airlock to just see, see what yeah. happens. Yeah. I think we should try it. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not happening this season or no. probably next. We're probably looking many years down the road. This season of Picard is set in LA. You can't get blown out of an airlock there. They don't have them. <sighs> God, this was probably our best chance. Yeah. The LA season. Yeah. 
so too bad. <laughs> I mean, they shoot this show in L.A. They always have, but the Las Arena is somewhere in the town that we're in right now. They've shot two consecutive seasons of Star Trek Picard. The show could be over. Oh, they're yeah, they're done shooting it, aren't they? I mean, it's been suggested that this is a series wrap. Yeah. After season three. Yeah. Fuck. God fucking damn it. God damn it. This was our opportunity. They're not going to fly us to fucking Canada and they got blown out of an airlock. It was this or nothing. And they're done. <laughs> they're done with the whole fucking show. <laughs> Fuck. Ah. Fuck. Ben. Go give it to you. He go give it to you. Ben. Go give it to you. He yeah. Look, wouldn't you watch a Star Trek Picard season four that's just Elnor slicing people in half? (laughs) You know what? It could be like Kung Fu The Legend Continues, except with Elnor just walking the earth. Star Trek Picard The Legend Continues. Yeah. He goes from town to town and he says, I want no trouble. And then somehow always winds up cutting a bunch of people in half by the end of the episode. He's solving mysteries that the local law enforcement won't touch for whatever reason. (laughs) And he's just cutting a lot of people in half. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's a hopeless cause in every town. Yeah. That's what Elnor's there to find. (laughs) I came to bind myself to one thing. (laughs) How about uh, the actor who plays Elnor being in like most of the episodes this season wordless like yeah his agent called him up and he's like great news you're uh you're gonna be in season two as an extra uh and we're really there's gonna be a lot of costume changes and uh you're not gonna have to you know do as many stunts so that's good because you're gonna be an extra and you won't get paid as much but hey uh the ear trauma is equivalent (laughs) whether or not you have 10 pages of dialogue or none yeah, do you think Orla Brady is like walking around set, like looking down her nose at Elnor? <laughs> like, <laughs> sucker, you have that to get sucks. the ears on every single time we shoot. And I got out of it and I get tons more lines. Yeah. Uh, Orla Brady is really Doug Jonesing around <laughs> the set lately. <laughs> She's got to be feeling great. <laughs> Great indeed, Adam. Well, uh, that's a couple of my favorite characters on the show, but do you want to get into Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 6, Two for One? Two for One. I mean, this episode does not promise what its title says. I mean, I was expecting an Episode 7 right at the end. <laughs> you screwed us over, Frakes. <laughs> have you noticed that the episodes have been getting progressively shorter the last three? I have. I have noticed that. It was a 45-minute episode for season two, episode four. Five was like 41 minutes. This one, tight 38 minutes and 51 seconds. Yeah, I mean, they should really have titled the episode .5 for one. <laughs> That's how much show we got. Not enough for you. So we start with a KO'd Picard with mouth blood, which is always a bad sign in TV. Is nose blood or mouth blood a worse sign, would you say? It's definitely mouth. Yeah. Mouth blood is the horror film aesthetic for definitely going to die. Yeah. I don't like to see it. And if you can get a (laughs) coffin there, even more so. 
But is it golem blood? Like if you were to to like put this blood on a little piece of glass and put it under a microscope, what would this stuff look like? It's just motor oil. <laughs> Time to change that oil. You powered me with Armus blood? <laughs> no wonder my poops have been smelling so dank and vile. No wonder I'm kind of a short trigger. <laughs> so what? While he is lying there, we see some more flashbacks to his mother and a young Picard getting his foot caught in like a rotten floorboard while she's getting roughed up. Can you help me do the math here? This is a flash forward that contains another flash forward linearly because this is of a time period <laughs> happening ahead, but it's actually a flash back because right. it's Picard's memory. Right, because we cut to 34 minutes earlier. <laughs> it's Inceptiception, right? <laughs> right, it's Inceptiception and... In the 34 minutes preceding Picard having mouth blood, he was waiting in line to get into the big gala with Talum, who's uh, in an evening dress and he's in a tux. And uh, they're, they're behind the velvet rope waiting to get in, like us trying to get into a pizza place in Minneapolis at 11 p.m. on a Saturday night. Hey, Pizza Luce was pretty good. It was fine. <laughs> but I did question the need for many, many doormen. <laughs> yeah. it, it kind of made the case that something awful happened there recently. Yeah, the security apparatus did not exactly ease my anxiety. <laughs> Is that what you do if you're one of the only places in a city that serves food after 11? You station a couple of doormen? outside to make it seem as though your place is really hopping and then the line just forms yeah the line attracts people maybe that's what it is yeah because the pizza place across the street was just shut for business like they they had all gone home they woke up and chose no doorman <laughs> and that's why yeah. their business ended up being closed yeah not going great for them Talum is on to Picard. She knows that he's got uh, a little thing for Laris because uh, he keeps calling her Laris. And she's like, why do you keep saying that name? Who is she anyhow? When Picard says that Laris is no one of importance, why does he do this? What is the harm in telling the truth? What is the Watcher going to put all this shit out on Maine? The Watcher doesn't care. <laughs> she only cares about one thread in the tapestry. The Watcher is sort of the perfect audience for this. Yeah. What if you could talk to someone who looked exactly like your crush about your crush? <laughs> I think this would be therapeutic. What would somebody like you like to do for a first date? Like if they looked exactly like you, except for the ears. I don't normally like to buy clothes as gifts. And yet I feel like this situation makes that very easy for me. I could find out her cup size and everything. <laughs> Which would be a weird thing to know before a first date. <laughs> I think there is intent behind this line of dialogue. I I winced when I heard him say this. Like I did too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I totally agree. Like just uh, be a little more vulnerable with Talon. He's gonna need to travel back in time again to get his feelings organized about her. <laughs> because if they succeed in this mission and then go back forward, he's going to eat shit again. Maybe it's the last hurrah. He's going to drown himself in the grape stomping barrel. 
<laughs> I'm just going to prop myself up and lean over. <laughs> it's a very thick drowning. This will be a vintage for the ages. <laughs> Chateau Picard, final vintage. <laughs> Unfiltered. It's a very natural wine. <laughs> Meaty on the mouthfeel. <laughs> Do we know... I've, we touched on this a little bit in the last episode. But are you aware entirely of what a watcher is and what a watcher is capable of? They're capable of using a typewriter without actually typing. You can just dictate to a typewriter if you're a watcher. I mean, so much is made of the challenge of getting into this party. I was expecting the watcher to be like, you know, I can kind of Jedi mind trick anyone. Yeah. Doesn't seem like she can. If she's got power, she's not making a big deal out of them, I'd say. Yeah, she's chilling. Who is making a big deal is Gerardi, who is still shackled to the bench in the security area and still hallucinating that Nana Borgs is hanging out with her. And there is a thing in her under her dress that she pulls out that's able to knock out the guards. Those are breasts, Ben. <laughs> that's what knocks out the guards. They just like they see that rack. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel funny. What do you think of these, my men? Call me. Gerardi cannot move the bench, and Anna Borg is like, "Well, if you accept my help, you sure will be able to." And the tension is rising because the line out front is moving, and mm-hmm. Gerardi needs to upload the identities of everyone into the system, and like already, Rios has gotten to the front of the line and is getting asked why he's not like the bald dentist that his ID indicates he is in the computer. Mm -hmm. So Gerardi accepts help from the queen, which enables her to break through the shackles on her wrists and get the thumb drive into the computer. When Nana Borgs describes the situation as being captured on purpose and that she misses Locutus, Mm Mm-hmm. Is she inferring that that's what Picard did in Best of Both Worlds? Like getting captured on purpose is what he did? Clever little plan. Mm-hmm. I could see her referring to first contact in that when he kind of offered himself in place of data, but she wasn't. I, I, was she calling him Lucutus in that scene? I guess she was. I, I don't know. There's something uh, semantic about the difference between being captured and offering yourself in that context i don't know yeah it definitely got my attention yeah there seems to be a lot like that in this season where like something seems strange but like seems intentionally strange kind of like the device gerardi uses only knocks out the security people but not herself yeah what is that thing i don't know was it spraying knockout gas or was it like a beam that we just didn't see ben we will never know what that is (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and where did she keep it? She didn't have a little clutch, did she? No, she had like a, what's that thing that the bride like shoots off of her leg at a corny wedding? Oh, yeah. What's the, that uh, called? God, I'm so dumb. The, uh, you gotta, the, it's not a corsage. It's the leg corsage, Ben. <laughs> it's the leg corsage. That's what it's called. <laughs> God, it was so embarrassing in high school to go to prom and then, uh, like, I go to the florist, and I'm like, yeah. "Hey, I I need the two corsages, right, for the prom date." And and they're like, "What?" 
I was like, you know, the the corsage I put on her wrist and then the leg corsage. And they're like, yeah, no, that's not a... That's actually not a thing. And I was like, just give me the two corsages and I'll figure it out. <laughs> and brother, I did not figure it out. <laughs> so we come back from theme. Picard is in a hospital bed. Everybody's gathered around him. He's uh, remembering more terrifying images. We see a man like grabbing his mother and, and hauling her away. Very, very scary. Are you interpreting that man as being like an attacker or like a family member or what? Yeah, I mean, it, I'm just assuming without any proof, it kind of seems like it would be his dad Yeah. or his mom's boyfriend or something. I don't know. Oof. Pretty ugly scene and not the sort of scene you want to see in the moments just before your death, right? If these are the things that flash before your eyes before dying. No bueno. Being a golem fucking sucks if, <laughs> if this is what it does. Yeah. So we're back in the party 26 minutes earlier. Everybody is trying to creep on Renee without being creepy about it, without creeping her out. If you had eight pairs of eyes on you, at a party this size, I know you'd know it, man. <laughs> I've never even had one pair of eyes on me at a party. So That's why I say that. I just think that, <laughs> I think you'd notice. Yeah. Renee is doing shots at the bar, which, Let's go. I mean, it sets the tone yeah. when the party's just started, if you're already doing the shots. Yeah, and Picard is like, does she hit the sauce like that all the time? And <laughs> Talum is uh, saying, you know, maybe she's uh, psyching herself up or trying to cut loose like one last time before she goes into quar. And uh, they have a quiet moment together where Renee has gone off to do a photo op and uh, Picard is like, you watch her all the time, but who watches that ass? And uh, Talum is very flattered by this. He's like expressing concern for her. I mean... He doesn't mean it in a horny way, but Talum reacts in a horny way. Yeah. But also, what is Talum's deal? I keep expecting the claws out of Talum. Was Guinan just wrong? How could Guinan be wrong about the Watcher? I mean, Guinan's the one that makes claws when she sees Q. So I think Guinan... But Guinan was saying the Watcher is awful. You will hate the Watcher. Well... Watch your back. I mean, but Guinan is so is so weird. <laughs> like, I can see Guinan having a very different type of relationship with the Watcher than Picard does. Yeah, I guess so. Like Picard came to the Watcher saying like, hey, I'm from the future and the thread you're looking after might get fucked up if you don't check yourself before you wreck yourself. So all he's done is help her out so far. I want the bottle episode where we flash back to Guinan meeting Talum. Yeah. And we support this claim. That would rule. Because everything about the Watcher that we've experienced personally has been fairly benign. Like, up to and including the Watcher code for Renee Picard. She's like, I do what it says on the tin. I watch. And yeah. that's all I do. I do not interact Elorians listen, I watch. I don't meet them. I don't do anything. And Picard's like, well, what if I just go bring her a buffer water? <laughs> that would be good, right? <laughs> I happen to have a couple of broads in this pocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Talon's like, you know about Broads? I could say the same to you. We get a reminder of the timeline here. This party is happening 10 hours before the pre-flight quarantine. Yeah. So not a lot of time left for... I mean, also not a lot of time left for Renee to quit, but not a lot of time left for them to have to prevent her from quitting either. Renee's really putting the mission in a spot by choosing to quit with this much time left. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Kind of a bad look, Renee. I know you're struggling with some stuff, but you're on a team here? Thanks for the pep talk. Also struggling is Gerardi, who is having like a nearly Real Housewives level conflict with Nana Borgs. At this party, well, everybody just doesn't seem to notice that she's talking to herself. The scene before the theme suggested to me that this was a choice in a symbiotic relationship and not parasitic. And that that idea, I think, is supported in this scene. Yeah. Like, Gerardi chose to incorporate her into her mind so that they'd still have a chance of getting home. Like, there's something about what happened on the ship that will allow for time travel to happen were that to be something they want to do at the end of the mission. It's so interesting how Gerardi as a character often is in a position of having a horrible secret and like yeah. is so socially awkward and stuff, but also like is somehow like doing the darkest shit in the background. Yeah. She and the queen are fighting over the fact that the queen doesn't like the blend of emotion hormones that Gerardi is experiencing. I'm just saying all of these stress hormones aren't good for us. And, uh, you know, the best way to tell someone not to be so stressed is not to say, don't be so stressed. (laughs) Have you ever given your Nana a ride anywhere and it's just constant critiquing the temperature in your car (laughs) or how loud the stereo is or Uh maybe like the suspension just being too hard this is nana borgs here she's a passenger inside dr gerardi and she's got notes yeah she really does you really are driving fast (laughs) do you need to drive that fast i only wear my seat belt around my lap i don't put the other one on it's uncomfortable for me and i didn't grow up with it Good job by Raffi elsewhere in the party ordering the club soda, even yeah. though she really, she eyes the hooch. Weird product placement in the middle of this episode. And I feel like yeah. in the tradition of Star Trek IV's weird product placement of Michelob and then like Shatner drinks it and clearly hates it. Yeah. Is <laughs> like a product placement for a real brand of bourbon. That no one enjoys. That the recovering alcoholic character is like, I don't want that. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Someone who is enjoying their time in this moment is Rios, who is showing off his cigar. It's real, Rafi. And the matches that come with it. And these two things totally delight him. It is really nice to see Rios back in the A story. Yeah. I thought. Who who is this? This whole thing here? This glow? I'm just making the best of things. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and nice to hear him kind of describe what it is like to be in this century because he's like, like you have to remind yourself like he had kind of a rocky life going for himself in a ideal future, but it like wasn't anywhere close to as fucked up <laughs> as the present day yeah. for us. Like, yeah. it, like he is vibing off of the sort of like developing country energy of 
LA 2024. Mm-hmm. Like, look at all this crazy fucked up stuff they've got. Mm. Everything's so intense. It's really weird, but... Uh, He's got that real vacationing in a third world country vibe about him. That Totally. That is a little gross, Rios. Come on, man. Yeah, and uh, he wants to date one of the locals, but Rafi is kind of scolding him for thinking about Teresa in that way because yeah. it just it could never work. I mean, and this is secretly the reason why he's happy. Like, I would have expected as soon as the conversation turned to Teresa for Rios to like turn into a huge bummer. Mm-hmm. But the reason he's so happy is because he's already worked out a path back to seeing her. Yeah. And Rafi is like, you cannot do that, man. That path is paved with dead butterflies. <laughs> Speaking of people that are having a great time here in this timeline, uh, Seven is loving her life of the party status and her not having Borg's implants all over her face status. She's barely in this episode. Yeah. She... This is like her centerpiece scene. She got to get dressed up, but didn't mm-hmm. have a ton of lines in this one. Yeah. Rafi, meanwhile... Still hallucinating Elnor, still seeing him everywhere she goes. And in this moment, she spots Elnor in a tux at the party, but then realizes that it was just a trick of the light or something. And we are again reminded how torn up she is and how maybe like unstable she's becoming about it. Right. Like, I feel like Rafi is very much being set up to potentially be a chaos agent in this season. Well, that's really going around by the end of the app. Yeah. They're really dropping like flies here. True. In terms of who you can trust and who's out for themselves versus the team. Renee has the type of therapist that you can text from a party and uh, they'll just get right back to you. Do you have that kind? (laughs) No. My therapist the other day sent me a bunch of like kissy face emojis and then sent me a, oops, sorry, that was for someone else. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) It's really sweet, actually. Like, very, very humanizing of a person that has been a big help in my life to just be like, oh, yeah, I fucked up the thing on my phone. Did she mean that for another patient? No, I think she was texting, like, with a friend or something. It was clearly not meant for a patient, the Mm. the tone of these emojis. Benjamin R. Harrisburg. (laughs) yeah probably also the type of therapist that gives you gentle nudges towards the edge instead of uh, helping you cope yeah i mean (laughs) her therapist is like take another shot and quit your job (laughs) all of the fear you're experiencing is uh is telling you that you shouldn't do this you shouldn't go on this adventure picard's like ready to intervene it's like not down with Talome's rules. And Picard backs Talome off here. This is her destiny. Yeah. She does not want to break the code. This was the moment I was expecting Talome to be like, nope, I'm going <laughs> to turn into an asshole. This is the big reveal. You can't push me around. Yeah. I no longer believe her to be an issue. I think that was just a way to inject stress into the introduction. I think that was pretty weak. <laughs> Adam, Adam, you know that different people have different relationships with each other, right? No. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, there are people that I have friendships with that you don't care for. Like, that that's... Why val- would you do that? Uh, we have valid experiences of that. Why would you ever? 
<laughs> I'm just saying that may be Guinan's truth. Yeah. All right. It also may be a shoe that is yet to drop. All right. I think you've convinced me. I'm wrong. <laughs> I just don't think it's like the big problem that you're making it out to be. It's just a tension that is imbued in these scenes yeah. to me. Okay. So so what if the tension gets broken with evidence to the contrary or evidence to complicate that? I can live with it. Okay. All right. Well, should we can we proceed with the episode then? <laughs> we didn't need to stop the car here. We could okay. have kept going. We're ready when you are. So Picard has this idea like we'll make Gerardi go talk to the mission commander cuz they can like scientist with each other and that'll tie him up and Renee won't go over and like tender her resignation mid-party. And that seems to be like an acceptable compromise for Talon. <laughs> What's the idea here? Gerardi's going to go to the mission commander and be like, you know, this pilot is going to want to quit on you. Do not accept the resignation. And then by not accepting the resignation, you're going to put Renee on the mission? <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, we don't even get to hear the plan because Gerardi doesn't pick up the phone when Picard calls her. No, that's because Gerardi has turned it on silent. Yeah, she's way too tied up taking compliments from the queen who's saying like, look at us, we're fucking killing it at this party. You're showing your potential. It's not the dress, it's you and me together, baby. Queen's like, God, it's been a while since I've kissed anyone. You know what? <laughs> the next person who comes up and talks to us, <laughs> I'm going to kiss him. That's what's going to happen. Let's play. No, there's no play, no playing. The next person that comes up is Rios, who she exchanges words with and unconvincingly says everything is fine, too. Yeah. But then she grabs him by the necktie and plants one on him. Hey, Agnes, if you want to kiss your coworker, you need to ask first. <laughs> Nothing would please me more. <laughs> there was something inside Gerardi that wanted to do this that Nana Borg's was hip to, but this is definitely Nana Borg's puppet mastering yeah. the body here, right? I think so. Or it's Nana Borg's playing like Renee's therapist and being the person that is pushing Gerardi toward the edge all the time. Yeah. Yeah, she seems pretty out of control. She seems to be compromised in a way that you hope she tells someone else on her team about <laughs> at some point. Yeah. What, what would they even do, though? Like, hey, I'm half Borgs now. Uh, okay. I guess we have to vaporize you. I, I guess we're going to uh, extra handcuff you back to a chair at the in the La Serena. <laughs> yeah. So Renee does another shot of Reposado and has a upsetting memory of her failure in the simulator and dips out of the party. And Picard is like, all right, enough. I have to go talk to her. And he's trying to walk out of the room when Dr. Adam Soong shows up in a white tuxedo. Picard! In a very efficient way, they both establish themselves as being on the exact opposite side of this storyline mm -hmm. they're at europa heads ben <laughs> because picard wants renee to go on the mission and he doesn't like q and on the other end soon wants renee off the mission and is in league with q yeah he's not your friend adam 
No. <laughs> I'm talking to the Adam in the show, not you. Right. Yeah. I should say, Dr. Adam. <laughs> yeah, n- that would never confuse me if you said that. <laughs> How come they never name anybody Ben in this show? That seems unfair. Yeah. If Michael Dorn is in this season, as I have predicted, I want his character to be named Ben. And also for nobody to talk about how it's weird that he looks just like Worf, but without love. This is Benjamin Roshenko. <laughs> yes. Yes. One of the dark aspects to this moment is that Dr. Soong is up off the mat. He is a huge benefactor of the Europa Project. Yeah. And as a result, he's bought himself a seat on the board. And what that gets you on the Europa Mission Project is the power to kick people out of parties. (laughs) You get basically nothing else. (laughs) Yes, there is one thing you can do for me. If you could get rid of that guy. (laughs) Yeah. Dr. Soong, you never attend board meetings. Like, you don't even (laughs) call into them. This is your only request? We do them on Zoom. Like, what are you doing that you're so busy that you can't even attend a Zoom meeting? We need you to break many, many ties on votes. (laughs) (laughs) And who's at this party is the only thing you care about? It'd be one thing if you showed up and never asked questions, but this is ridiculous. Don't ask questions. The security detail at the party start to close in on Picard. We cut to commercial. And when we come back... Picard is uh, getting defibrillated on a slab with oxygen tubes in his nose. And uh, we get the title card saying 14 minutes earlier. We're really getting close to whatever got him into this hospital. I've got an observation about the moment that the security notices Picard. Mm -hmm. How much does that feel like the Borg drone suddenly recognizing that you're a threat? Oh, yeah. I really felt like when their glances are away and then they turn toward Picard on camera, it felt almost identically. That's a great observation. Yeah. So, so, so he is brandoing. He's so scared. I beg your pardon. uh, It doesn't take much. (laughs) Just breathe a little hard. (laughs) I'm an old man. So he's like in in his uh, earpiece saying like, the enemy is closing in. I'm uh, running out of time here. And this is when Manaborg and Gerardi trigger a nanoelectric pulse. Is that what they call it? They did, but it sure looks like an EMP, like the kind that Rafi and Seven hit from their tricorder. Yeah. So this pulse is able to knock out the lights and then cue up a spotlight <laughs> and get the band ready to play a little number from Pat Benatar. So make sure when you knock out the power, you leave that weird orange globe decoration going and the spotlight. You got to do that. <laughs> I mean, that's what nanites are for, right? Targeted pulse. This is a fun choice of cover tunes in a big band version way. Yeah. And a really great moment for Alison Pill as an actor, but... Kind of shocking that they didn't go with an Edith Piaf song. What did this do to you in the moment? Like, just as a viewer watching a show, did this work for you? Because this is a lot of sugar in my coffee, (laughs) you know? I have to say I liked it. I thought... Like, it does ask you to take a big leap, which is that the band was just ready to go. (laughs) 
<laughs> which is really silly. We needed the Marty McFly conversation yeah. briefly before this happened. All right, guys, uh, listen, this is the blues riff and B. Watch me for the changes and try and keep up, okay? And then after, when the guy on the trumpet goes off and calls up uh, his friend, <laughs> it's your cousin, Marvin Rojanko. <laughs> <laughs> You know that new sound you <laughs> Well, listen to this! I really like Alison Pill as an actor, and I think there's some subtly difficult things about this scene that go beyond just singing. Yeah. Which is navigating a staircase while singing and performing in this way. Yeah. But there's also a gear she has, like, I am really enjoying what she does facially on this show. And I've not seen a ton of Alison Pill movies or television shows before to like get if this is a thing she does all the time. But she's got kind of a Jane Lynch style sarcastic snarl yeah. that she can deploy, which is just delightful and hilarious to me. And she does that during this song in a way that got me. Like I was bumped a little bit by the moment happening at all, but yeah. I totally fell for her ability to pull it off. I thought it was a really cool choice of song. I loved the cut of her like bowing and then coming back up with yeah. Nana Borgs. <laughs> that was neat. <laughs> But it turns out that this was not a good choice that she made because while she provided the distraction that Picard needed to get away, she also flooded her system with endorphins, which unlocked the Borg's queen. Her basement's been flooded with endorphins, Ben. <laughs> Is that what she was going for when she made Gerardi kiss Rios? Oh. Was she hoping that they would bang? Maybe so. And then that would flood the endorphins? I like that film paper. Nana Borgs turns to Gerardi and says, look at me. I am the queen now. No game. No game! Yeah. And so by extension, you kind of are too. This is what she's always wanted. This was my plan all along. Look at us. <laughs> we are the captain now. Speaking of the captain, Picard has found Rene off in a quiet part of the exhibit. And she is in a real dark place. She's having a cry over by a uh, mercury capsule. And he is able to connect with her on this very, like, interesting emotional level that only a boy can connect with his great, 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 great grandma like. I think the age is a big factor here, but there is none of the tension of Marty meeting his mom and there being a sort of weird attraction there. Yeah. There's nothing Oedipal in this scene. No. And there's also nothing paternal either, which I think is nice. Yeah. Like, it's not condescending in a way that this conversation could have easily been had Picard been more paternal about it. He just seems neat and interesting as an old man security guard. Yeah. The other thing I really liked about it is like it I think is a really clever observation of a thing that I don't think I've ever seen depicted quite like this in a movie or a TV show, which is that thing of like you're in a cycle thinking about something in a certain way and it's been whether you've characterized it to yourself in that way or it's been characterized to you like what Renee is going through is like 
she is having these fears and her therapist is like egging her on in a way that is subtle enough that she hasn't noticed it to be that. And then he breaks that spell by just putting it in a different perspective. Like he says that thing about fear, not speaking in riddles and it just restates the case to her in a way that she hadn't considered. And kind of puts her on a new emotional trajectory. And I feel like that is a realistic thing, like an issue that I, you know, read about in the news. And then I read like an essay about it that is really smart and like changes the way I think about it or gives me a new framework for thinking about it or something. And conversations with my therapist do this too. Like I'll be like complaining about something and she'll observe something about it that like I'd never have guessed. And Would a, would a couple of kissy faces help, Ben? <laughs> Is what she says? Yeah. Like two thumbs up emojis. I'm with you on the strength of this moment. And I think that this is a show that is writing Picard better this season than he was written in the last season. I think a moment like this would have been a little too sweet, a little too writerly last season. Yeah. And this trust that light speech that Picard has is really, I think, one of... Picard's best moments in Star Trek Picard. His encouragement seems so pure and good. And it's his most Picardy, right? Like it yeah. it's, it feels like something that he might have said in a moment on TNG. Yeah. And I like that there's been a lot of dialogue in the last couple episodes said off camera or with actors turned away, which suggests that they're kind of looping a lot in post. But this is a monologue that that they stay on Picard for quite a bit yeah. and I think it's stronger for it totally it's a very interesting scene and it seems to I mean she she characterizes it as a pep talk later which I think is a a bit reductive but it seems to have that effect right like yeah it gets her into a headspace where she can go do the mission she's like so I'm super smart and that means I'm more likely to feel doubt and fear. God, just imagine the people who feel doubt and fear who aren't super smart. Those poor <laughs> bastards. <laughs> anyway, I think I will go back to that event with you. I wonder what they do for a living. Definitely not astronaut. <laughs> I spent a lot of last week sick in bed. And one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was Factor Meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times and they are delicious, fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted meals. And they're ready to go in just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use code trek50 to get 50% off. That's code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. Top of the morning to ya. This episode is brought to you by the St. Patrick's Day Shamrock Shavers Manscaped. This year, don't just chase rainbows. Make your own pot of gold and groom your little leprechaun with the leaders in Below the Kilt Care. 
I didn't make that up. That's actual copy sent to us by the great folks over at Manscaped who make the shaver that I use downstairs on my little leprechaun. And uh, I recommend it. Uh, it works great. Uh, trimming the hedges in your Irish garden isn't just for below the belt. You can complete your look with their new signature Beard Hedger Pro Kit plus Handyman Electric Face Shaver. Everything they make is really good and high quality, and this new trimmer that they have comes with two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blades. They've got one for a classic trim and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. So get 20% off plus free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and get free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. This St. Patrick's Day, make sure your little hairy leprechaun is luckier than ever with Manscaped. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. What? 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 Sounds like nonsense. What is going on? Run! Why? Go! Why? I'm trying to save you. This ship isn't going anywhere. Run! Why? Why? I'm trying to save all of you. Who are you? Picard walks her back into the event using the outside path. Yeah. Classic mistake. Um, yeah. Before we get too far past it, I also just want to say that like, while they're having this conversation, we do cut a, a couple more times to those flashbacks of child Picard and his mom and come find me is in there again. Mm-hmm. And that was a big moment when the like murdered out metal board queen met him on the stargazer. So yeah, yeah, seems like something's going on there. And these flashbacks, like, are I think we get more of them and more images in them than we've gotten so far in the season in this episode. And <laughs> they start to get real weird. <laughs> you know what I do when I'm stressed? I Think of my mother being brutally beaten. <laughs> Jesus. And then afterwards, I think of the stars. <laughs> you know, everybody has a different approach to these things. No wrong way to do it. Yeah. So they walk outside. This is apparently the shortcut back to the party, which is still like people are still walking the red carpet when we see the exterior. Mm -hmm. And then we see Dr. Adam Soong 
in his car, raging out, thinking about how angry he was that Corey was okay and then not okay suddenly. Those Teslas can get up to speed pretty fast. Yeah. And before you know it, Dr. Soong has crested <laughs> the street in Echo Park at yeah, the top. He's, he's going up Baxter Street at 80 miles an hour with four people in the car. Yeah, he really misjudged the the speed and uh, he bowls Picard over. A Picard who pushes Renee out of the way. Yeah. My grandparents had a scene almost exactly like this when I was growing up. Whoa. My grandparents were walking around a, uh, a little town outside of Seattle where we had been living and uh, were crossing the street using a crosswalk. And wow. my granddad pushed my grandma out of the way and took a car for her. Wow. And like he survived. He was hurt. I don't think the car was going like 60 miles an hour or whatever, but yeah. it was like a real heroic story about him. It was wow. amazing. Good for granddad. Yeah. Good dude. My granddad was not a golem. Though. <laughs> yeah. That ended up being a problem down the road. This is where the, the timelines meet up, at least for the purposes of this episode. We are back where we started. Picard is KO'd on the, uh, on the ground here. And uh, suddenly, like, Rios and Talum are are out here. This is, like, the closest Talum has ever gotten to Renee Picard, I guess. Because she's not supposed to even be seen by Renee, right? Right, right. And Rios is like, uh, I know that we can't take him to a normal hospital, but I've got somebody who I also just so happened to be romantically interested in. The camera pans over to Rafi and she's like, come on, man, really? Were you driving the Tesla? <laughs> that explains why the driver wasn't caught, even though there are hundreds of people all around. Yeah. <laughs> so they take Picard to Teresa's clinic. We don't see how any of them get there though, right? That has to be a hell of a story. I know, and I was thinking about just, like, how long it fucking takes to get anywhere in L.A. Like, the last time card we got was 14 minutes before. <laughs> and they clearly didn't beam anywhere because no one's on the ship to do it, right? Oh, but Talon can beam. Maybe they took a smoky door. Yeah. Wow. Why didn't we see it? This is a 36-minute episode. Show us yeah. the smoky door. Give us the smoky door. We like the effect. We want to see it again. I want to see everyone go through the smoky door. Yeah. It's like a smoky garage door when you've got to take eight people through it. <laughs> so Teresa is pretty mad that he golems her defibrillator and <laughs> kicks everyone out of the out of the room. But uh, it seems like he's back on track. Like he's not arrhythmic anymore. Right. But uh, she's she's pretty suspicious of this guy because they're like saying like, oh, yeah, he's had a couple of uh, transplants of everything. <laughs> One of each. Back in the boo, Soong comes back home to his daughter, pretty upset over his failure at the big party, and has a dark night of the soul where he starts to discuss Corey as being his life's work and how the intent of what he's doing counts, like what he's working toward should count. But uh, he's very frustrated. He's very sad that uh, it doesn't seem like he succeeded in what he was trying to do. Because I guess because he was trying to kill Renee specifically. And right. all he did, wound up doing was hitting the old man. 
it's pretty ugly parenting when you make your kid your whole focus in life and make their success a reflection on you, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Pretty dark stuff, but he's he's in that kind of way that like a person doesn't even regard the context needed for what they're saying to make any sense. He's just totally in his own head. Yeah, and doesn't seem to care how much it's upsetting Corey. Like, yeah, it's almost as if she could be anyone. Yeah, he's treating her more like a thing than a person. Yeah, like a thing that he's had many of yeah. over the years. A disposable thing. Right. Back at the free clinic, we cut back over there and there's no word from Gerardi. This is a concern, right? Like the whole, you think the whole gang is at the free clinic, but it's not true. Gerardi's yeah. missing. And this is one of those pieces of dialogue said off camera, but somebody makes sure to mention. We did succeed in getting Renee into quarantine. <laughs> so the mission of the episode was successful. Right. That's really great news. Although it seems like based on the timeline, wouldn't it be that she went home, went to bed, and then went to quarantine in the morning? I mean, th that suggested to me the passage of time that had taken place here at the free clinic. Like, oh, they had so been there for 10 hours. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so Teresa's really pissed. It was super fun coming to my radio clinic in the middle of the night and sticking my hands in your boss's chest. She's seething at Rios here. She's so She's mad. like, this might be a free clinic, but my paddles are fucking great. Yeah. I have so much pride in these paddles. They work every time. It got fucking fried. You don't have any money. You're not going to be able to replace that. Yeah. She calls shenanigans on yeah. Rios and his whole business here. He has fucking blown it with Teresa. And that has got to really be a kick in the junk. <laughs> the desperation it takes to declare yourself the good guys uh -huh. and how that is reacted to by Teresa is another nice moment. Nice part of this episode. Back in Malibu, Corey finds a fold. A Dr. Shoom. <laughs> Are we neighbors? Because <laughs> when I take a walk around the grounds, I'll occasionally bring some binoculars just so I can see outside of the uh, 100 yards by 100 yards plot I've got here. I like to keep it small. It's, it's less ground for me to mow. Anyway... Fewer patches of lawn for me to set traps in for <laughs> to catch people and hang them up by their boots. I feel like I have a pretty good sense of uh, the territory around me, and uh, I have not seen your house. <laughs> it's a nice piece of real estate, I must say. Let me know if you ever want to clear some trees so you can get an unobstructed view of the ocean, because... <laughs> I can cut down old trees everywhere. <laughs> Gory finds a tax documents folder that is way more embarrassing than that might imply. Yeah. She finds the horrible truth, Adam. She is an abomination. God, I remember when I found out I was an abomination. Nothing can prepare you for this moment. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's so fucked up. Is the weirdest part, <laughs> like, here's the thing. I feel like if you're Dr. Soong, you could plausibly name your child the same name. Like, all he's made hundreds of these genetically created children. Yeah. And all of them have different names. And this would drive me crazy because that's how I would blow it. I would accidentally use a name that I shouldn't use on the new kid. <laughs> and he's had to remember so many of them. Right. I'd name them all Corey. 
Hey, Persephone, can you uh, bring me some toast? I mean, I'm sorry. I don't know why I said Persephone. Yeah. Corey, duh. That's how you get caught. <laughs> Brain fart dad over here. I don't like the naming hubris here. Yeah. Not one bit. Yeah. She's finding all these like videos of, of what looks like her as a child with her much younger father. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't get it. It's weird how her dad looks like Howard Hessman in so many of the pictures going back in time. That's fun. Like the through the years of Brent Spiner. <laughs> uh-huh. A lot of times this effect doesn't work. You take an actor and then show a photograph of them. Things don't look quite right. This all yeah. looked pretty good to me. Yeah, there was only like one that like looked a little bit photoshoppy, but generally they looked really good. Yeah. What am I is a question that this actor has been asking herself on <laughs> Star Trek Picard for two seasons now. Yeah, seriously. Who the hell is Persephone? We cut back to the clinic where Talm is scanning Picard's brain and showing a lot of activity going on in there. His brain is in high gear, but he's not waking up. And that just doesn't make a lot of sense. Like if he was in a coma, the activity would be way lower. Is this what a golem brain looks like? Or is this just what the scan is revealing about the golem brain that's supposed to look like a human brain, but that's been thing. injected with ink or something, you know? Yeah. It is not revealed in this. I don't know. I don't know the answer. No. We spend a lot more time in his flashback, though, in this. And uh, for the first time that I can remember, see like a ghoul or like right. a very scary like demon face in there yeah there's something supernatural now about or alien this scene that we're getting yeah hard to know but um talon proposes a sort of non-vulcan mind meld that i think is like she's describing it being sort of the reverse of the process that lets her make creepy people in the park lead picard around mm. to find her She's like, I can do this through windows now. That's a that's a thing we established in canon. I can just stand out in the hallway. Yeah. Get this done. Should, should I go way over there and do it just to show off? <laughs> yeah. Raffi pushes back super hard on this idea, but I mean, that's cool, Raffi, but they kind of need Picard for this mission. He's the only one who knows anything about Q. So it's worth trying this dangerous plan. Yeah. Raffi, do you have other ideas? Yeah. <laughs> She eventually relents, and uh, the big laugh line at the end of the episode is, how much worse could it possibly get? Turns out kind of a lot worse when you see Gerardi walking through the streets of L.A. barefoot. This is a pretty direct line toward Battlestar Galactica, right? Like the Cylon and the red dress. Oh, I had to stop watching that show. I did not care for it. Oh, okay. I, I liked it a whole lot. And I'm wondering if this was a little nod in that direction. Oh, uh, perhaps. I'll have to find someone else to talk about that with. I remember that red dress in the uh, in the advertisements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure somebody is out there that wants to talk about, <laughs> what was it, Babylon 5? <laughs> Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. They are not comparable. Uh, hey, uh, anybody listening that would like to start a... <laughs> Battlestar podcast with Adam. Go ahead and send him a tweet. Ooh, I'm very tempted. I don't want that, and I would <laughs> politely decline. <laughs> Did you like this episode, Adam? 
I like what it's setting up. I didn't like that it appears to be sidelining Picard as a character, but maybe that is something that would make things interesting. I'm really conflicted. I like it when the team's all together. Yeah. And this is one of those episodes where everyone is on the field, but shoot, I mean, sidelining JL seems like members of this team are becoming more and more compromised based on their interests or their medical condition or whatever. Like who is 100% would you say? Seven? Seven's doing great. <laughs> Maybe the most 100% is seven. She, yeah. Why don't you put her in charge? <laughs> yeah. Rios was 100% until Teresa stomped his balls at the end of this episode. Yeah. Reasonably so. I might add. Yeah, I think it might be time for Seven to take charge and maybe uh, take this mission over the finish line. I'm wondering if Talum like spends time inside Picard's mind next episode. Yeah, it's just a, a lot of uh, Laris in there in <laughs> in fantasy scenarios. It's it's like uh, a fucking Barkley holodeck program. <laughs> Pinup girl Laris all over. We've seen those episodes before, guys. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, who knows? I want to point back at this, though. I think the moment where Jurati sings could determine whether or not... Like, I think it has the power to cripple the episode or not as a viewer. Like, either yeah. you're into that moment or you're not, and I think it matters. Yeah, if you can look past the implausibility of it and just enjoy it for the performance it is, I think you're going you're gonna to have a much better time than if you can't. And right. I watched this episode twice. I tried to get into that headspace, honestly, of disliking it. And I, I think Allison Pill is just so fucking charming yeah. that I couldn't get there. And I think intellectual Ben, you know, to the extent that that exists, would be kind of against that moment just for taking so many story leaps. But casting choices really, really matter. And they matter more than just like looking the part. Yeah. You need to cast someone who has the toolbox. Yeah. That you could put in a scene like this that you don't know is going to happen two seasons from right now. Right. You want to give yourself the option of a scene like this with an actor like this. It's got to be so fun to be in a writer's room and know that you can throw a ball like this at Allison Pill and she can fucking ding it out of the park, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that's also the danger, too, like to sort of play devil's advocate about the thing I just said. Like, mm -hmm. I wonder if you cast so strongly, if it's possible to give yourself too many tools and then you're sort of writing toward the puck right. in a way where like, well, yeah, I've got actors who can do anything. Does that mean I can write anything and expect it to work? <laughs> Maybe so. I mean, that's got to be kind of a seductive power. Yeah. Well, yeah, I thought this was a really terrific episode. I mean, it does, again, feel like kind of a connective tissue episode. But I think that that's maybe something that's going on in Star Trek Picard is they're really writing storylines that don't follow ultra conventional structures like the, hey, suddenly there's a gala heist sequence at the end of the last episode really made me feel like that. Like, I just did not feel like it was a set up promise of the premise punchline kind of episode. Yeah. And neither was this one. And despite that, I never feel like I'm at sea or like I'm just seeing a bunch of necessary exposition that will explain why what happens in the next episode is important or whatever. Yeah. 
four episodes left this season, Ben. And if they're all between 30 and 40 minutes, not a lot of runway left to land this season. Yeah. Very curious about what happens next. Who knows? Well, uh, do you want to see what happens in the Priority One inbox? That's a little more predictable, Ben. <laughs> Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Adam, our first Priority One message is from Kevin Uxbridge, and it is to TurkFan69. Whoa, that's a, a name from the past. A deep cut. <laughs> Goes like this. Greetings, TurkFan69. I recently received some press after genociding all Hushnak everywhere. And now I would like to, quote, change the narrative, unquote. <laughs> I hear you may have some experience in this area. If so, please contact me via Priority One message. I am willing to pay handsomely. Help me, TurkFan69. You're my only hope. Kevin Uxbridge. Asking for favors from TurkFan69? Yeah, I, like Kevin, TurkFan69 is not a spin doctor. TurkFan69's approach to changing the narrative is shit posting in the review sections on YouTube videos mostly. Yeah. And commenting on IMDb pages. Right. So I don't know how, how much that's going to help you, Kev. Not a lot, is my guess. Yeah. Ben, our second priority one message is from Zach, the Burhurt Viking Brager. <laughs> and it is to Madam Dadneb slash Ben and Adam. <laughs> I bet my read of that sounds pretty good if it were played forward. <laughs> it did sort of sound like a tape being played in reverse. Yeah. Sounds like that Missy Elliott. Song, right? <laughs> yeah, you flipped it and reversed it. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, I was thinking I might send y'all something in the mail, but it's crazy expensive sometimes. Not that it's a deterrent, you're getting this crap one way or another. But I'd be remiss if I didn't ask at all if someone were to be passing through the LA area, would you be amenable to a handoff at a Vons or a 7 Eleven? It'd be a boon. Wow. I mean, you could probably go to the P.O. box if you're passing through L.A. <laughs> I'm a little suspicious about this, even though Zach Brager is a is a longtime P1-er. Yeah. Zach Brager may have upset Plevim as, like, all-time yeah. most P1s. I'm inclined to trust Zach here, and yet the exquisite awkwardness yeah. of meeting a friend of DeSoto out in the wild <laughs> in a Vaughn's parking lot. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, yeah, it, hard to say. I am definitely sympathetic to the cost of mailing things. Yeah. You and I have been doing that uh, a little more recently in a professional manner, and yikes. Tough. Not great. Too tough. But yeah, uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> Let's talk about this offline, Zach. I think yeah. that would be a better place to adjudicate this request. <laughs> Maybe after the tour or something, because we're, we're very much call. trying to limit how much we are in contact with folks while we're traveling, because we do not want to have to cancel shows on people because one or the other of us catches a Rona. Right. I also have a policy of just uh, limiting my exposure to Vons. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Just baseline. Well, that's great for me. It's the 
main grocery store near my house. <laughs> uh, if you would like to limit your exposure to your own money, you can... <laughs> we'll hold on to it for you. Yeah. You can yeah. go to maximumfund.org slash Jumbotron, where we will read and discuss your message on our programs, and they are a great way to support their production. Yeah, come on, let us hold a couple dollars. Yeah, I'll hold on to that for you. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you discover yourself an Edward Larkin? I feel like I kind of want to just give it to, like, the whole group, but maybe just because it's sort of her job, I'm going to give it to Raffi. Raffi's sort of the security slash tactics slash intelligence specialist in the group and does not seem worried at all about the disappearance of Dr. Gerardi. Yeah. You got to do better than that. I kind of like, I, I know she's going through a thing and really feels bad about Elnor, but uh, you're going to feel bad if you lose another one. Right. Yeah. How much worse will you feel then? Yeah. Gerardi has taken off her shoes because she's walking so far downtown. Yeah. So I think it's going to be Raffi for me. How about you, Adam? I was inclined to give it to Gerardi, but Gerardi is not in control in that moment. Yeah. The Borg Queen is. Oh, but that's her default, right? <laughs> but I'm not going to give it to the Borg Queen either. Whoa. I think I'm going to give it to Alison Pill. Alison Pill actual. Wow. She's got to pull this off. And I think she does. Yeah. And it looks like she's having a great time during. And, uh, that's a fun aspect to the Larkin Shimoda way of being. So that's really true. I mean, I think that the performance of Edward Larkin also yes. really makes that episode in that way. Right. So yeah, great work by Allison Pill in this episode. And uh she's got the pipes, man. Yeah. Fun stuff. If you like this episode of The Greatest Discovery, great work by Wendy Pretty on the production here. Yeah. She'll probably be giving you some information about our next episode in the credits, which happen right now. The Greatest Discovery is an Uxbridge Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. It's hosted by Ben Harrison and Adam Pranica, produced and edited by Wendy Pretty. Next up on Star Trek Picard, it's Episode 7, Monsters. Tal adventures inside Picard's subconscious mind to help wake him from a coma and face both his darkest secrets and deepest fears. Seven and Rafi go in search of Gerardi, whom they fear has succumbed to the monster inside, and Rios struggles to hide the truth of who he really is from Teresa. The original music that you hear on this show is by Adam Ragusea. You can subscribe to his YouTube cooking channel and check out his new podcast. And thanks to Bill Tilly, the social media director for Uxbridge Shimoda. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Greatest Trek and use the hashtag Greatest Discovery to talk about the show online. We always appreciate it when you leave a nice review or recommend this show to a friend. Also, Max Fun Drive is coming up at the end of this month, and that's the perfect time to get involved as a member and help make this show possible in a very direct way. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with more of The Greatest Discovery. You don't want to know what the icing is, though. (laughs) Hello! (laughs) (laughs) Some jokes are too weird. (laughs) MaximumFun.org 
comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.